0: Welcome to the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. It is June 1st, 2018, and we're talking, discussing solo Star Wars story. Check out our sponsor, SkywardFunSupply.com, from Funko Pops to 3, and three quarter inch figures, and all the way to 6-inch Black Series. SkywardFunSupply.com is your home for Star Wars toys. My name is Zach Weber. Tonight, I am joined by Zenger.
1: You happen to notice that freighter down there? You know what's... What's on it? About 30 hired guns, and all I gotta do is give them the signal, and you're surrounded.
2: Very, very
0: timely. And our special guest host, Jonathan, from YouTube's Film and Stuff.
2: Thanks for having me. Uh, I don't have any clips. I have nothing. <laughs> See, Zanger, you set the bar high now. You took the best quote, I, I, I and you always, robbed them of it.
1: Well, I, I got what I'm gonna say for later, though, that I think's just just as true for me, so...
0: On the previous episode, we talked about, well, I talked about Solo, a Star Wars story, but Zenger was mostly M.I.A. for that episode. Zenger, I was on a vacation. You, yes. He was on vacation seeing Solo without his family. So No, no. I went with my brother. So, oh, okay. Yes. So Some family, but not the main family. Yes. All right. So, Zenger, what did you think of Solo, a Star Wars story?
1: Well, in preparation, I'm going to get, be seeing it a second time soon. I look forward to watching it again because I feel if I'm really going to enjoy a movie, it's the second viewing that really nails it down for me. Um, especially like with the lot of, movie, of the movies recently that I've watched, I feel like the second viewing was when I enjoyed more because I knew it was coming so I could kind of soak in more of the movie. That being said, I think the biggest thing for me is what this opens up for the universe of Star Wars movies and Star Wars media. I think that's the biggest thing. I understand that we're probably getting into maybe some box office stuff that's not doing well. I don't care about that at all. This movie, I'm surprised it did as good as it did with all the issues it's had. So, So that being said, what it offers to the greater Star Wars universe is, I think, immensely just it doesn't matter what the box office says. What it opens up is just so unbelievably amazing that I can't wait to see what happens next.
0: All right, Jonathan, what would you think of the film?
2: Uh, I'm of two minds of solo, two almost clashing, conflicting minds. And the first mind I want to start with is that it's a really fun movie. All the way through, I love the cast, their chemistries and dynamics, the way they build their characters is a lot of fun. Uh, you could tell everyone brought it in, especially director Ron Howard. I thought the way that he pieced together the movie and the action sequences, the action sequences, in particular, are absolutely spectacular and I think are among the top standard of what Star Wars can deliver. And even the whole movie, uh, the way it looked, uh, the way it was shot by uh, Bradford Young, has a look to it that I've never seen, not just a Star Wars film, but from any blockbuster in like, like the last 10 years. It has such a richness to the frame and such a, a fun, wonderful little movie that I enjoy. But the context in which the movie exists, I have a lot of issues with. I think in the long-form narrative that Lucasfilm is telling, or I'm not sure they quite are telling, I'm not sure it's really a story that they're connecting through these movies, and the way that it's been brought up in you know, discussions online, in terms of uh, the production, I think there's a lot of flaws in, in the context that the movie exists in, but just as a own little movie that i went to the theaters to watch i had a lot of fun i i agree wholeheartedly with you
0: um one thing why i originally found jonathan his youtube channel i watched his rogue one video and yeah i, I got a, a bone
1: to pick with you about that okay <laughs> I, go go i swing away <laughs> no no, no go, go ahead zach i'll i'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> let this all right <laughs> but
0: <laughs> as, as i was watching when that movie first came out uh the fan response was uni- for the most part almost entirely positive But one of the biggest complaints with it was the characters. I think you mentioned it in the video. Everyone's like, I have no idea who any of the characters are. And I kept telling people, like, the story is not about the characters. The story is about the rebellion and the true formation of the rebellion. And while I was watching your – and nobody else had that opinion until I I watched your video and I'm like, this guy gets it.
2: (laughs) And that's how I kind of got sucked into your channel. For me, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but I'm exclusively a movie fan of Star Wars. I have never – I think I read a couple of the books, not the popular books when I was in like grade school. Uh, but outside of film, like the video games are just derivative of the films to me. I've never gotten into the deeper lore that exists in the shows and the books and like Wikipedia. Ooh, I got a fun question for you then. Okay. <laughs>
1: um, okay, I guess we're going to rip that Band-Aid off now. What did you think of the reveal?
2: Uh, if we're going to go right into spoilers, you're talking about the Darth Maul reveal?
1: Yes, I will not say it aloud due to the fact that someone might be wandering around. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, to, okay. to establish, Ellie still has not seen it. For any longtime listeners, you know that that means death if I spoil something for her. So I will try <laughs> to avoid saying certain things, but I will, of course, make it very knowledgeable for the co-host to jump in on it.
2: It. In the moment, it felt like an immediate... Se- I-, I knew of Darth Maul. It was in Rebels, that show, but I didn't okay. watch it. Uh, so I knew he was still alive. When I saw it, it just completely took me out of the movie. I had a friend who didn't even know he was alive. And he was spent... like He literally turned to me and went, What the f***? That's what the like, person beside me said. Like, yeah. audibly. That's I yeah. heard him go,
1: He's dead. How is he... up?" A- what?
2: <laughs> and it and just like, felt oh. like... Uh, a sequel tease. I'm I'm assuming that's just a tease for the Obi One spinoff movie they're eventually going to do. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen because if Solo's doing these type of numbers, there's a lot more demand for Obi One. So I think there's a there's almost an insurance, a blanket profit that an Obi One movie will make, and there's a demand for that. So I think if, for instance, Kathleen Kennedy wants to please the fans, I think announcing an Obi One movie with Darth Maul in it is seems like an obvious financial decision. And that's what I read at that moment. As
0: there's a lot of weird issues with the mall. Thing. The mall thing is great to uh, to the diehards, but continuity wise, it, uh, it it requires a lot of explaining to the uninitiated or or in your case, someone like you, Jonathan, someone who's not a, a more just a movie goer of Star Wars as opposed to deeply entrenched in the lore. But um, no, going back to your videos real quick. Um, ever since the Rogue One things, I've I've loved your videos. on um, the discourse on films and how we discuss them in on the internet. Um, I think that should be uh, required uh, reading to use the internet or Twitter before you log on. That should be like a little thing that shows <laughs> up. You have to watch the entire thing. And there's a little quiz at the end. But, but Are you
2: an a- <laughs> Are you not an <laughs> <That's all> <laughs> That
0: means 95% of the people out there could not use the internet. Oh. Yeah, you're right. That's probably a little too low. But anyway, <laughs> um, Solo. I, I saw Solo a second time the other day. Um, I saw it the first time, and I truly enjoyed it. I I walk into every Star Wars movie ever since The Force Awakens being, I I think Zenger can attest to this, being extremely cynical because um, I feel unless you do that, you're going to be disappointed or you should at least be aware of the fact that there's always the possibility of opening a can of uh, member berries. Yeah. Uh, And you should always guard against that as a fan. You don't want to let your your favorite things just constantly stroke your nostalgia lobe. Nothing good can come from that. And I saw it the second time, and I don't want. I, I still think Last Jedi is my favorite Star Wars film, but like Jonathan said, this is easily the most fun Star Wars film of, of the last few years. Like every Star Wars film I think of, from Force Awakens to Last Jedi, takes itself very seriously. And this movie's like, we're going to have fun, and that's all that matters.
1: So the whole character reveal thing, what I think that does is now. Uh, do you feel the need now to go watch the series or find out why he's alive or what he's been up to?
2: Not, per- I'm I'm going to just assume a lot of stuff. Really, I, I if I want to know, I, I would assume again Obi Wan movie. It would fill in, it would fill me in there. I, I to me, it's like I don't really care about the back. To me, backstory is pointless. Okay. Uh, if you want to go back to a band aid for Last Jedi, people kept asking who is Snoke, where is he from. I don't care who Snoke is. I care about what Snoke is. Like what he means, what his business is, what's his personality, what's his drive. I don't need to know what his backstory is to understand that. And with Maul, it's like, okay, if he's coming back and there's a history, if you can dramatize that in an interesting way for a future story, because if you're going to tease him like that this hard in this movie, that means he has to come back for a future story. And all that matters is how they handle him there and that they fill in the gaps or fill in the necessary gaps for that. So really, that's all it means. I just I felt that's like
1: seeing him, even though I knew where he's like what's been going on and that, you know, why he's there. I felt like maybe somebody who hadn't seen it might be like, Oh, I guess I should watch the T V series now. That would explain it. Or, you know, it's what I feel that this has done is opened up Star Wars to where it is truly working as a multimedia thing. Now you you've you've got the episodic movies, which in my opinion have an end date. I think um, the episodic movies will come to an end, but what I think they will do now is MCU this. I'm going to keep using that, Zach. They're going to MCU this thing, and they're going to make stories throughout the universe that we love so much and that we've been wanting for so long too. Like Rogue One's a great example. Solo, I wouldn't say it's a great example in the sense of would it be my first choice? No. Was it okay? Yeah, but it's showing that they are not only taking from what the episodic movies are doing, but they're taking from what the wider world of Star Wars has to offer. And that makes gives me hope for the future and for a very expanded and very in-depth and very amazing cinematic universe that will be created. Because just not one other thing, the key to Star Wars' future is in its past.
2: <laughs> I, I I disagree with that last remark. I, I, I do too. Uh, I want to... Uh, kind of just, uh, I want to make a point, and that the thing with the Darth Maul reveal is it's easily my least favorite part of the movie. In fact, I really dislike that moment again because it is a take you out of the movie moment. And if we're going to make reference to Marvel Cinematic Universe, and this is easily the most Marvel Star Wars movie that has come out, um, that was a post credit scene inserted right in the not just right in the middle of the movie, but right before the climactic moment of the entire film. So while you're watching this drama unfold and each character turn means something and comments on the previous moments you've seen, mm-hmm. this moment is a swerve and it's a swerve for fans who aren't quite caught up to date on rebels yeah. and all the comics that you go, you can't drop a bomb like that. If Darth Maul doesn't play a important part in this story that you're telling right, you know, telling right now. And what it reminds me of, although I don't think it's quite as bad, is that scene in Batman v Superman where they're about to do the big brawl between Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman takes out her emails and starts watching the trailers <laughs> for the next four freaking DC movies. And it was okay, that... good point. <laughs> again, and it was like... There's a reason why Marvel has post credit scenes is that, again, it takes the story forward and it's a, here's what you can look forward to seven, eight months from now. And there's a reason for that. And each te- tease is meticulously crafted this one. I don't think they quite thought out the function of the story and why that moment matters. It felt it, it, it was incredibly slapped on, uh, in my opinion.
1: Well, this is like probably most of this movie was, um, harkening back to it's very bizarre and who knows how much of this movie had to be reshot schedule.
0: I, that, that's yeah, that's, I, yeah, I get the vibe. well, yeah. I get the vibe from that mall scene. I didn't really think of it this way until, uh, Jonathan brought it up. Was the mall scene does come out of nowhere? Because if you watch the film, you have uh, Kira or Han goes after Beckett, and Kira says, "I'll catch right up to you." And obviously, it goes to her taking the ring off uh, Dryden Voss, and it it does come out of nowhere. And if you look, if you take that scene out. It basically is Han leaves the thing and then meets
1: Beckett and Chewbacca so, on the beach. So what you could have done is you could have made a post credit scene to where she leaves, yes. but then the post credit scene you find out that whole thing exactly. But Star say- Wars is it- okay. Here's the other thing. Then <laughs> if I want to play devil's advocate, my fine, thing fine, fine.
0: is that I think even though I love the mall thing, um, that is probably my favorite thing in the film. That's. Um, because I, I, I again, am, I am deeply steeped in all this stuff, so they put that in there just so I go online and say this is the greatest movie ever. Uh, <laughs> ten and a half, five stars. Um, but but it doesn't work five out of seven. exactly. I like that from the uh Thor <laughs> Ragnarok tweet. Um, but I, I feel that it, it is, it's, it's jarring to members of the audience, like Jonathan said. Because well, I saw I said it in our solo review, I'll say it again. In our so, uh, when I saw Solo. I saw it with two people. there. They're Star Wars fans. They've seen their 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 core films, and they turn around to me after the movie was over to like, "How is Darth Maul still alive?" And I'm like, "Well, they brought him back during the Clone Wars." And you try explaining this, and without going through the entire history of it, which is it, you try Zenger knows trying to explain the history of Maul post Phantom Menace <laughs> in continuity. It's it's difficult to do it it's, a coherently.
1: I never mind a crazy this. person. I've had to explain it to several people recently, and I tried to dumb it down and make it quick and as simple as possible. He got cut in half. His hatred kept him alive. He got robot legs. He's kind of a crime boss. I'm like that. But then they start asking questions like, just just don't. Please don't. Please don't.
0: But the worst part of that is that he becomes the crime boss. And yesterday, I got from my local library, I got the Son of Dathomir comic, which shows what happens to him after the Clone Wars. Because that was a cliffhanger of the Clone Wars, what happened to Maul when uh, um, Sidious shows up. And he loses his entire crime syndicate in the comic. And so and then nice. when we see... Yes. Oh. And then when you- he loses everything, uh, um, Black Sun leaves him. Poor Jonathan, Um, you- bear with us here. Black Sun <laughs> abandons him. The Pikes abandon him. Well, doesn't Definitely- he...
1: Okay, is that after his duel with Ahsoka that he kind of loses, too?
0: Uh, no, this is before Ahsoka. Because go- that's, that's not... That's oh, so Son sort
1: of Dathomir is him going to, back to, um, to Mandalore. No, it's not... Well,
0: that's the- okay, this is the weird thing about trying to explain this. Is that the- all the Mandalore talk... Like, we- all we have without Dave Filoni talking about this stuff is a couple of, like, mentions in Rebels. What happened to Son of Dathomir, real quick, uh, a bridge version, is that he's captured by Sidious... Uh, he uh, Mandalorians help him escape. A bunch of cool stuff happens where it's like Count Dooku's possessed by Mother Talzin and fights Sidious and Grievous. It's it's weird Star Wars <laughs> stuff, but it'd be really cool. Like, as you're reading it, you're like, "This would make a great episode for the animated series." But he loses he loses everything at the end. Of it. He has no more. He loses his entire. All the Mandalorians are dead. That are on his side. So any of this stuff that I hear from like Rebels about the fact that he went back to Mandalore, I don't know.
1: Well, well they do that's mention the- supposed to be what happens is he goes back to Mandalore. That's, that's the
0: issue with this though. There's a major continuity error because then we go back to rebels and he's like he's like, like an old man. And he's like, his spirit's broken. He's like, like, obviously during the events of, or after, or before the events of Solo, he's encountered the Inquisitor and taken the Inquisitor lightsaber and murdered the Inquisitor.
1: Okay, there, there is one glaring thing I had a huge problem with, and I understand why it was there. The fact that he had to grab his lightsaber and ignite it, which I'm, I know was cool, but it offered. There's no context for him doing it, aside from just, I'm going to ignite this lightsaber. It's just so, he, yeah. He
0: said, well,
2: okay. A, it's fanservice. playing it, it, it was. I, I. The only reason why the lightsaber is ignited is so to confirm to the fans who are confused. Yes, this is Darth Maul. Yeah, if and he, I, he, I know that that's why. But in
1: my, <laughs> I, like I said, if I could just cut that, I, I just wouldn't have him have it. It's just because it, it just it was this moment. I'm like, this is awesome. This is cool. But why is he doing? It's not like she doesn't know who he is. And well, it's like he's, he's I, I just like to imagine there's other people in the room after the hollow thing goes away. That's like, why'd you do that? What was that for? I don't know. He's trying to intimidate her. Like, like if you want an explanation,
0: there it is. He's trying to intimidate her. Because <laughs> think about it, She's called, like, okay, look at it in the sense of the continuity of the film.
1: Oh, okay, uh, hold on, they, hold on.
0: They've won this. They, All oh, right, God, um,
1: you intimidated <laughs> Zach? <laughs> you don't have enough
0: horns on your head for me to be intimidated.
1: <laughs>
0: but think about it in the context of the film. It's like, this is the second time now that the coaxium has been lost the 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 underling to the main bad guy or the crime boss is now dead, and I don't know. Like I, I, again, there's you can, I can as you know as everybody knows, Star Wars fans know how to rationalize things to make it everything connect together, <laughs> and that's probably what I'm doing right now. I concede that, but like I said, I getting back to the happy of the
1: thing. Zach, how many strings and how many cork boards do you have around you right now, and how many photos do you have?
0: Right, ha- enough that if I turn my head the wrong way, I'll clothesline myself.
1: Good, good. It's all connected. It's all connected.
0: <laughs> but no, uh, going back to Zenger's famous quote, which became a uh, a war cry. Uh, We're going to MCU this bitch. Yes, I think that I think that was the exact quote for it. Is that the vibe <laughs> I'm getting from this? And this will bring up one of Jonathan's points: is that this feels like uh, the Captain America: The First Avenger for the, the Star Wars universe? In that you're establishing is a quasi. I don't know if you can call Captain America: The First Avenger a prequel. Because I, I guess by the events of Iron Man, Iron Man Two, Captain America is established of existing kind of in that universe, and it's a, it's a flashback movie. I think that's the best way to call it. I like that flashback movie. And if you look at the way this movie's performing, both domestically and internationally, it's performing almost identically that what that film did in 2011. If you look at Captain, everyone keeps looking at Captain America as the the greatest Avenger right now. And you look at that film that came out only seven years ago, it only grossed like a hundred and like I think sixty-eight million dollars and like three hundred and like sixty internationally. So there there is this thing of like everyone keeps declaring this everyone's like, Oh my lord, Star Wars is dead. And it's like, no, Star Wars is just stumbling like every other movie franchise has. Do you agree with that, Jonathan, or am I missing something?
2: I I think the box office downturn is, is is severe. I really do think it means something, and I think actually means a little a lot negative. Um, it's kind of go back to the Cat American analogy. The one thing I've been saying for the last I don't know a few months is that Star Wars is in a weird spot where they already have their Avengers. Their Avengers movie is a new hope, and so what they're doing is they're filling up the pre Avengers Phase One Marvel movies. So. Uh, Rogue One is sort of like I-, I would say that's the first Avenger This is like Iron Man uh, Revenge of the Sith is Thor, I don't know Like they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're d- So you could watch it When you watch it chronologically You get the Obi-Wan story And Obi-Wan and Anakin, then you go detour And oh, meet this Han Solo character Oh, and here's this Death Star thing We're going to follow these characters going on this mission And then A New Hope is the movie Where all those things come together For a big team up splash and dash adventure film and it's weird it's like backtracking into a cinematic universe
1: most more of a dc if it's backtracking into a universe yeah
2: a little bit and i think there are a few dc i don't think it's quite as much of a mess as dc but i think there are similar problems at play as much as i really like this movie and i'm one of the biggest defenders of last jedi out there i don't think it's a perfect movie but i really do love that film um and despite that, I think there are major problems in the story group. I think there are major problems in the way that this, this cinematic universe is evolving. And in many ways, I feel it's kind of devolving. And that goes back to that context thing I was talking about, where the Solo movie, and I love the adventures, and I love the, the style, and the, but the way it connects those dots, the way it goes through every single motion of Han Solo's origin, I feel like it contracts that character as, as opposed to blossoming the character. And I think in terms of stories, I just really want to get out of this period. I'm kind of sick of the period between episodes three and episodes four. You know, the the first Galactic uh, uh, first Galactic Civil War, right? That whole era. I want to I want to get away from there. I want to rather go really back in time or really go forward in time. Well, I I
1: think you're going to get the really back back in time at some point. I think that's what Ryan Johnson's
2: trilogy is probably going to be. If I were to make a bet, I would I would say that's what he's doing.
1: Because as I keep pointing out, and I will continue to do so until evidence shows otherwise, there are the Knights of the Old Republic games that take place, like I think, 3,000 years in the past, or some time frame that does not matter with anything. Why the heck are those not continuity? They have no bearing on the series unless they are working on doing something in continuity during that timeline. Just saying.
0: I would think the, the Game of Thrones guy, Game of Thrones writers would be the ones that would be focused on that. Because that seems to be more in their uh, arena.
2: Well, you, or you have be the complete freedom to do whatever you want then, too. Mm-hmm. If it wants to be successful, it will need the complete freedom to do what it wants to do. Yeah, I think how, these restrictions. how do you tie that to anyone? How do you tie that to
1: Solo? Because as we all know, there's no family lineage there now. How do you tie it to Skywalker? There's technically no family lineage you know, there you, either. You know, you had maybe you, you meet a twenty-year-old Yoda. There, there's, the there, old there, guy. there's the only lineage, and that's if they go back. Because, like I said, he's eight, nine hundred. So, if they go back a, thousand, a couple thousand, he wouldn't be around still. But yes, but who knows where they're going with this? That's like been past. Uh, I guess I. Who knows with that? They, they're
0: announcing so many things now. We still haven't talked about the Boba Fett movie. That's something we need to discuss.
2: Has not been officially uh, announced. That has been rumored Good. heavily by Hollywood Reporter. That has not been officially announced. Has, I'm not anybody, gonna go off the has anybody denied it? <laughs> uh, no one's denied it. I think it's. I think it might be in the works. But I really, as much as I love James Van Mangold, I really do not want that movie. And- I want to say a big positive point
1: for this movie is that he did not make an appearance for me. To be honest, Bully. I would have. Despite as I, much as I had voted my hatred for that, I would have it would have irritated me to no end. Where if he had just popped up, because as this movie went, I don't see any way he could have been in this movie. Name drop would have been nice because they they name drop um Boss Jabba. Yeah, they name drop. Well, they hint heavily, and we all know it's Jabba. But they also, I think,
2: don't don't they mention Boss at one point? Yep. Yes. Yeah. They also say the very early on they say the Hut Cartel. Um, yeah. Which. Get after it,
1: yeah, yeah. And I, I'm like, I like that. But if they had Boba Fett, it would have been a breaking moment in the movie that would have been almost as bad as Darth Maul showing up in the middle of stuff. And,
0: you know, what I was looking forward to. I was hoping that there'd be a scene at the end of this, where um, Han Solo like goes to the rooftop, and there's like the Star Wars equivalent of like Detective Gordon. and It's like Han Solo. There's this guy's been lurking around leaves a calling card wherever he goes. It's a little like Mandalorian <laughs> skull with a tusk symbol. And, like, oh, it like no. it leads directly it leads dir- it's like it's very like it's like I'll look into it. And that's what it is. I would imagine <laughs> if, if, exactly that, that's what they're gonna do. Like if this movie made money I would imagine that the Solo Two Solo Harder film God. would would probably be Boba Fett. Is it because like, they figure Boba Fett would be the villain of that? He'd be Han
2: Solo. No, character. he wouldn't. Why do people think they have this rivalry? They don't. It they was just some guy who, tried, who was doing a job. It's like, oh, I'm after this guy. Thank you, thank you. I hate and people. before the, like they have this rivalry, and it's like, no, they don't. And that's. Okay, I, I, I'm ready to go on a bursting, not rant, but, like, go for it. You don't have to compete with me on this one. No, know, because it's this goes to this thing about overthinking Star Wars, and that, like, the fact of the matter is half of what's, like, continuity is just bullshit people made up when, you know, like, for instance, Solo just mentioned Corellia in the first scene on A New Hope, so then they said, oh, he was born from Corellia, and his ship, because they said Corellia, uh, uh, Star Destroyers. So those were made in Corellia. And his ship was made in Corellia. And everything centered around Corellia because he mentioned it once in his first line or whatever. And it's like, you it feels like overthinking things and missing the forest for the trees. And I feel that for like half of Star Wars and what the fans look for. And what matters, How? why does this continuity matter? All these little details, when the story is the only thing that matters? Like, what's driving this forward? Why do we need this story? Like, what... And that goes to why Marvel is so successful. It's not, they're not doing a movie like Black Panther because, oh, we can fill out all these little details. It's because, no, they have a director who has a story to say that relates to the modern world. And, you know, he's political, and he's ambitious, and he's doing something interesting. And I see these Star Wars stories, and I see all this stuff. It's like, what are you telling? What story is this? And I'm just confused, and I'm baffled, and I kind of want to give up. You know? (laughs) And that's where I'm at mentally with this, and it's kind of bullshit.
0: <laughs> well, it's it's funny. Uh, if you would have asked me uh, the day before Solo came out, what my thoughts were on like like the Star Wars going forward, I probably would have said exactly what you just said because I was I was cynical about this movie. Uh, there's there's numerous episodes where we make like Zinger can attest. I made all these horrible predictions where it's just like it's en- like it's Han Solo's backstory. Just everything has to be explained about him. And, I, 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 and my opinion was, like, if Disney just closed up shop, it's, you know what, we've had our fill of Star Wars movies, we're getting out of the Star Wars business, we're going to let this die, uh, you know what, we, you, you talk to out of Star Wars fans, I would have been perfectly fine with it. But now after seeing Solo, and just how much, like, even the second time I, like, one thing that happens when I just go see a movie the first time and I really enjoy it, I absolutely loathe seeing it a second time because I'm always afraid, oh, no. What happens if it doesn't live up to the expectations now that I've put upon it, doing it a second time? And I was, as I was watching it, like during the Kessel Run sequence, I had the dumbest grin on my face the entire time. And after I, the movie was over and I walked out of the theater, I'm like, you know what? If, like, I know I, do, I really don't want a Yoda, a Star Wars story, a Boba Fett, a Star Wars story. But at this point, if they're going to be half as much fun as this, I don't care. Because it's like the Star Wars fans are always going to complain. A uh, Star Wars fan isn't truly really happy unless they're mad about something or have a chip on their shoulder. And I think that's, that might be the thing that only Star Wars can do going forward. Um, mm-hmm. I, we do have to discuss the box office for this stuff because yep. the I think the box office to this, I did an entire episode on that, so I really don't want to reiterate my point. So I'm going to let Jonathan talk, but yep. I do feel that everyone keeps saying, oh, the Star Wars fans are boycotting this. Um, I don't think that's the issue. If anything, it's the Star Wars fans that are buoying this. From being an unmitigated disaster. Because I I, I was talking, again, I talked to uh, uh, normies, ones that don't care about Star Wars, and this could not bore them any further than anything else in theaters right now. Like, this is the definition of like grandpa's um, summer blockbuster film, because nobody under the age of, of like 40 who's not a diehard Star Wars fan has any
2: interest in this. And if you think that solo is a flop right now, wait until Boba Fett comes out. If it ever comes out, because that would be a, cat- a catastrophe. Unless, uh, unless
0: they, and this is no, unless, unless they, they do, do my script
2: right. idea. <laughs> no, because again, <laughs> yeah, because I think that Soul is a really fun movie, and I think general audiences would really like it. But I think just the general public sees through this as a, and that's the again, it's all about the context. And I think as this movie was made, the driving force was a cash grab. There's no way to deny that the, with the production, with everything. And I think just the general audience sees through that or doesn't care. And
0: I, I, I disagree in that sense because, like yes, I think it all depends on the marketing of this film. Um, and Jonathan, you're the movie guy, so tell me if I'm wrong or if you disagree with me here. There's a saying that a movie's opening weekend is exclusively built on
2: its marketing.
0: Um, after that first weekend, everything else is word of mouth.
2: D- do you agree yep. with that? Most part, yeah, and the narrative surrounding it and the reviews and... Rotten Tomatoes exactly. really does play an important part, you know? The pre-release um, hype. Yeah. All right. And and, and I- Solo was not a... It was not a perfect... Like, for, again, I don't know why I keep bringing up Black Panther. Partly because I, I really do think that Black Panther fills that Star Wars void for me and what a Star Wars film can be and should be. Uh, and and I remember the, uh, the release coming up to Black Panther was... Everything that could have gone right, went right. And but- with the release of Solo... Everything that could have gone wrong, went wrong. And I like this was a perfect storm. And you can't attribute it to one factor. It is that a certain percentage of fans, whether it's 5% or 0.5% or 50%, they boycott and spread negative word of mouth. It's the fact that a lot of people made very clear that they weren't interested in this movie. It's the fact that the marketing didn't really click. It's the fact that this movie released its reviews... The day after Deadpool two released its reviews, and Deadpool two has better word of mouth and has better reviews, and it's kind of a perfect but storm of it, failure.
1: It's doing worse in the box office.
2: No, Deadpool two is
1: doing a lot better than Solo. Oh, sorry, I'm just seeing like the recent box office. Well, almost. well, that's for the nobody, weekend. It's always yeah.
0: Not to not to bring up Deadpool two, um, but Deadpool two had the same exact drop in its second
2: weekend as Green Lantern. So it's there's it's a, gone there's out a, of the woods. A, no, the thing with Deadpool Two and it's actually doing really well. Uh, I would say, um, relatively, and the reason is, uh, well, one, like it's, it's cannibalization. It's Deadpool Two and Solo are kind of going for the similar markets. There is an overlap, mm. um, and Solo was big enough to take a chunk out of Deadpool, and Deadpool is big enough to take a chunk out of Solo. It is a it is the opposite of a symbiotic relationship, uh, and and really, it's it's a again, it's a disaster of scheduling, and again, everything that could have gone wrong. Went wrong, and that's the thing I keep saying.
0: <laughs> well, oh yeah, but okay. With that being said, though, if you're if you're Kathleen Kennedy, and you like you said, everything that could have went wrong. The marketing was bad. Um, the the, the budget ballooned this,
2: well past anything sustainable or reasonable. The fact that this cost probably a little bit north of three hundred million. Well, that, there's no excuse for. It. Oh there yeah, really okay. is-
0: It's I, you're one of the first people I saw uh, writing this on Twitter. Was that it was um, comparing it to Justice League? And I know in the replies you got, a lot of people were like, "No, there's no way it's gonna be as bad as Justice
2: <laughs> League." it was worse than Justice League. <laughs> it's worse than forward.
0: Justice League. It really is. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think in a million years the Lucasfilm and Disney brass ever saw this making a, under half a billion dollars. I I don't think in their worst nightmares they ever fathom this.
2: Yeah, uh, Especially but like, I, one million billion dollars really comfortably.
0: Yeah, like I said, but I think, but going back to the um the marketing for this is that I really it's like take Rogue One for example, like you just brought up. Imagine instead of calling that film Rogue One, we called it Jin Urso a Star Wars story. Boo! Or, it, or or the Rebellion a Star Wars story. Uh, a Boo. title like Rogue One. <laughs> a title like Rogue One is I don't want to say it's mysterious, but it has that air of mystery to it. It's a sleek title. It has just enough of that Star Wars flair to it. Rogue One. And it's, it's so, OK.
1: A, OK, wait, wait, wait. So you're saying we should have called this movie Kessel Run, I, a Star Wars story.
0: Well, yeah, I think you do something like that, where at least because it's like kind of like a, imagine you do a new Batman movie. Imagine of I'm calling it Batman Begins. You call it Young Batman. It's or Batman essentially, year one. Well, that that's a good title. Because it is a good
1: title. It's a good comic. I love it. Solo
0: Year One, and it would be a better title. When they announced the solo (laughs) title with Ron Howard and his stupid little black poster board, (laughs) I'm like, this is the dumbest. I'm like, really? Like you couldn't think of a better title than that? Like it's like in, in, I know in China they called the film Ranger solo it's like they it was like again the marketing just had no idea plus they it, it's worth noting they only had three months to market this film our first piece of footage of, of anything was the Super Bowl and prior to that they fired Lord Miller in June and it wasn't until god in February that's what eight months later, that we were still using the same one press image of Lord and Miller and the cast in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon, like, even after that, they didn't update, like, they should, like, the moment Ron Howard was on set, the very first day, they should have got the entire cast like, we didn't see our first picture of Olden Ehrenreich as Han Solo until that first trailer, Like they did everything in their power to hide everything about this movie and I don't know why I I I guess, like you were saying, Jonathan, there was that narrative that that was there, but for some reason they didn't want to get out in front of it. They wanted to hide behind people, that toxic
2: narrative. People do not understand how much narratives shape not just the reception of the movie, but everything surrounding the movie. And I think people are starting to realize how to not just control a narrative, but to hijack a narrative, how to exploit a narrative. Again, that's what's happening with Star Wars, and the narrative is super important. And and again, like any franchise that's worth its salt knows how to get ahead of that, knows how to keep you know, control of that. Um, like Again, I look at a studio like uh, Marvel Studios that keeps coming back to that, because again, that's the world we live in. I'm probably one of the biggest fans of Edgar Wright out there. I love all his films, and I'm super pissed, that, or not pissed, but bummed, that he was fired from Ant-Man. But the way that that happened, and the way the press handled it, and everything, was really smooth, and shows how much of a Professional Kevin Feige is, but the fact that Solo, like they shot eighty-five percent of the movie, went back to the start and then shot again seventy percent. I believe is the of the final product. Um, well, is, it's what, Well, and it's something
0: it's, I heard with that where like everybody, like what you just said, Jonathan. But I, I read an interview with Tandy Newton, and she says that's overblown. And that ninety percent of what's in the film, no, she said ninety percent
2: of her, yeah of her scenes, yeah, and her scenes are more trailers. That she has like five scenes, and that's again the first act. Yeah, she's not
1: in the mood. That was something. One of the one of the guys I know loves her, loves her to death. She's and I, I haven't positive. brought up with him how he felt about her barely being in the movie, technically, <laughs> because I wasn't expecting them to kill her off that quickly. But oh, I did.
2: Her, I liked how they handled that moment, but I felt like it didn't really leave an impact onto the I guess it did with Beckett and showed how even though that hurt him, he was able to recover and look out for himself because that's the nature of the business. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was just kind of a, a small character in the context of the storyline. I'm really surprised. I'm
0: really disappointed at that point when Rio Durant gets shot. He can go, Oh man, I'm only one day away from retirement. Like I am <laughs> really dis Like that he's like he's like, I can walk it off. It's like, but it was your shoulder. Don't worry about
1: it. You wanted him to seriously just sit there and go Oh, don't don't worry, man. I'm I'm one day for my big score, and I can retire. He should have done
0: that. Like in all honesty, he should have. He should have looked like the CGI model should have looked directly into the camera and like winked,
1: <laughs> and, that's then
0: and then died. And then died. And slumped over. Took like a breath and then <laughs> out. But no, like I said, we keep bringing this back to Marvel, and I think that's inevitable. I, I, there is this uh, I call it a cancer in Hollywood: the Marvelization of everything. Everything in between, whether it be the Dark Universe, the DCEU, everything has to have yeah. that shared continuity. Uh, the reason why
2: Wonder Woman is their most it, successful film is because it was 100% concerned with being a fun movie on its own. And that's why it was such a huge hit. Yes.
0: And be a really interesting point, though, is that um, the story group and things like Kathleen Kennedy is that people look at, like, in Star Wars has Kathleen Kennedy, who's the head of the studio, and you have this Lucasfilm story group, which is about half a dozen people to maybe a dozen people, depending on the day. Yet you look at Marvel, and Kevin Feige is the executive and the
2: story group. In that, Well, they do have a handful of writers that they cycle through. Yeah. Like, I believe uh, the people who wrote Infinity War, they wrote First Avenger, and I believe they wrote Thor 2, and uh, Captain America 2, and uh, Civil War. So you have, like, consistent writers. Um, going through each one, planting planting seeds, and going forward, and and, and getting directors that they, basically what the Marvel method is is they tell director, okay, here's your character, here's where they start, here's where they end up, here's what you can and can't do, and go. Basically, yes,
0: but the but you don't have, but the head of the studio. Is firmly steeped in what's going on, like understands what 100%. makes those films work. Where I don't want, yeah. I, I think Kathleen Kennedy is, is very savvy, but I don't think she's steeped in the Star Wars lore or understands it the same way Kevin Feige understands Marvel. I, I think she's a good film producer, but she's not an a, a expert of the source material.
2: I'll, I want to make a, a, a point, and I think Star Wars, especially, I think I really think Solo flopping, as much as I like the movie, I think Solo, is, it's a moment of crisis. Uh, that means you have to act, and you have to act now. And uh, the thing that, the crisis moment I think Solo means for Lucasfilm and Star Wars is you have to commit to something, because I think more than anything, that's what they haven't done, and that's what's hurting things. And I look at a movie like Solo, and I, I enjoy most of it again, I really like, I like the feeling, I like the energy, I like the characters, and even like the flow of the story and the meaning that the story gets to. But when you have a movie like Last Jedi, that is a it is a statement against nostalgia, against saying, you have to define yourself, you can't let these older items define you, you have to kind of break through them and forge your own path. And to end on that point, to end on Broom Boy holding up, you know, the, the broom, which is the the whole spirit of Star Wars, and then to go back in time to Han Solo, like, it makes no sense to me. Can't just be having these these mood swings <laughs> is what it is. I, I don't like this idea of, um, you know, oh, here's this movie, Last Jedi, that, that kind of pissed off a lot of fans. Oh, you don't like that? Oh, well, here's a super fan servicey movie. And when you're only concerned with pleasing people or only, like, again, it's course correcting with each movie, there's a common saying that, like, each sequel is a response to the last film's reception. And when you're doing that with each film, without a vision, without a plan, it can only lead to catastrophe. And that's kind of what you're seeing. That's exactly what you're seeing with Solo. Regardless of the quality of the movie, the context is killing it. And I think like five, ten years from now, we can go back and watch Solo and go, hey, this is a fun movie. But that's not how we watch the movies in context. And that's the ultimate problem.
0: I I, I do agree with you in the sense of uh, jumping around like Last Jedi that's another thing too with these movies is that all the like, I hear stories about. Ryan Johnson was writing The Last Jedi while I think Force Awakens was in production. I think they were doing yeah. principal photography.
2: Is he was correct? getting
0: the dailies to help him form the story. Exactly, and so you have this, and everybody attacks Ryan Johnson were saying, "Look what he did to Star Wars," and everybody likes dogpiling on him, though. But we also don't know the level of studio notes that he got. Um, I can't imagine after the nostalgia-driven Force Awakens in Rogue One, um, I, I, again, I don't know. I, I feel there, it's kind of like a, like a narrative whiplash, like you were saying, Jonathan. It's like, oh, nostalgia, and then another heavy dose of nostalgia. And then Last Jedi tells you, everything you love in Star Wars should be thrown out the window. And even <laughs> though I am, I, I, you know, I am a staunch defender of The Last Jedi, there is a level of you can't do that to your audience – you can't keep feeding them the member berries and then automatically take them away and tell them they're bad for uh, you.
2: Member. Oh, but I just realized, Last Jedi is like a fan base going through withdrawal. I've never thought about it that way, but that's exactly what it is.
0: It because it, it is. It's telling fans this is this isn't good for you if they've been feeding you, and we're gonna uh, take it away from you. And I like yeah. I, I don't know about you, but like as I, as you say, everything boils down to the Last Jedi now with Star Wars. You can't you can't it bring was up a Star Wars. Point
2: as bu- whether you love it or you hate it, it was a breaking point. Um, and that's what makes it so interesting. And that's the weird thing is I I love divisive movies. And I, I wish we could be civil about divisive movies, if that makes sense. I, and, like, even if you hated it, I love that people hate it. Because as long as movies are getting that emotion out of you, that means it's kind of working to some degree. And not that, like, the movie's trying to piss you off, but that a movie can piss you off means it's working to some degree. Um, and, and I love that. And I love that, you know, we can have those discussions... But I really do think that it's as though, again, going back to Kathleen Kennedy, I'm not upset with her that she made a divisive movie. A divisive movie that I love, I'm mad at, is that she didn't think it would be divisive, and there has been no response to its divisiveness. And that there is no plan. And there really is no, like, again, oh, you don't like Ryan Johnson's version? Oh, bring Abrams back to do all the things that Ryan Johnson threw out. And again, it's that... Self-correct, self like, regardless of what I think of each individual movie, it's that course-correcting with each new film and trying to please each new audience. It, it, again, it's, again, it's a recipe for catastrophe, and that's what we're exactly what we're seeing.
0: Well, that's the thing. I, 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 as I watched The Last Jedi, uh, I, there were certain moments where I did kind of my jaw drop, uh, Luke throwing the lightsaber away, mm-hmm. Snoke dying. But at the end of the day, I watched that film— And and this is worth knowing. The the fan outcry. I to this day cannot figure out why that film is divisive. I genuinely can't because I I I know exactly. I know exactly because
1: everyone went in with this image of what they wanted. They didn't get it, so their automatic response is, "Let's hate this thing because it wasn't the movie I wanted to see."
2: No, I think it's even deeper than that. And that's kind of my whole thing is the divisive nature of the Last Jedi is directly due to the fact that. Force Awakens had many problematic elements. It did not do the work it was supposed to, and when people thought that Last Jedi was going to do that work, it didn't or- threw that stuff away. I think case in point... Star Wars I- isn't a mystery movie. Exactly, and more importantly, the way that Snoke is designed in Force Awakens, everything about him is asking questions, when that character, by design, by principle, was... Uh, it was it's an empty promise personified. Uh, that character is a nothing character, and I think <laughs> Ryan Johnson realized that and said, "Well, if he's just going to be Emperor 2.0, then I'm going to realize him as the Emperor 2.0 and then kill him to further my story along." And I give him full credit for that. Again, I think that all the controversies, all the good and bad moments that people have with Last Jedi, they're directly on Ryan Johnson. I, d- I can't see how they're not. Um, and, and that you know, that's for his. Uh, that's he has to live with that. Um, but I think that he was put in a corner. I think that so much of Force Awakens is really poorly done in retrospect. And I do like that movie, and I I have a video essay talking about the uh, visual filmmaking with terms of the masks and the, what that represents in the context of Star Wars. But the core fundamental storyline there was deeply flawed, and I think that's what Last Jedi was the movie. You know, it, it, again, Force Awakens is a movie all about promises, and Last Jedi is a movie about meeting disappointment of course we were going to piss off fans um and that's kind of how i think about it as, as much as i love that movie the thing is this isn't luke's story anymore this isn't han's story anymore i think well but, that's the weird thing is that i think last night is completely luke's story and that, that well, movie
1: okay. to him. well no it does but it's saying that he had to pass the torch just like yoda did could <laughs> yoda have gone out and fought vader could Obi Wan have beaten Vader? It doesn't oh. matter. Luke is the person who should uh, who who has to fulfill that in the ben. original trilogy. Same thing in this one. Could he have gone out and beat Ben? Maybe, but he's not the one that needs to fulfill
2: this because what's the universe going to do when he's not there? Yeah, and that's the ultimate question of Last Jedi: is what 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 does the world look like when Luke's not there? That's that's the question. I mean, question obviously, he's going to be
1: there as like a force ghost or kind of floating around,
2: but I cannot interfere. Yeah. <laughs> star Wars. And yeah. And that, that there's, again, there's two sides of the, of the star Wars backlash. Uh, there's the one side where it's like, we think that this series is not going into any sort of tangible direction. And we, we don't really trust the the story story teams, you know, doing this. And I completely understand and respect that. And then there's the other side of the backlash where it's like, Luke was not the badass hero that I always imagined from my childhood, and I'm like, dude, grow up. Like, honestly, this is well, ridiculous. Well, I have a, and, qu- I, have a qu- I have a question, and it's for both of you. Um, yeah. Like, I rem- like
0: everybody talks about that scene. Like, I, I, I don't know, Jonathan. if you, you know Grace Randolph, right? Yes. All right, and she has a thing she brings up on the fact that like Luke Skywalker didn't have his kick ass scene at the end of the Last Jedi. He
1: did.
0: Okay, wait. Exactly.
1: Okay, okay, I'll, I'll wait. I'll finish. wait. Wait. And everybody, wait.
0: everybody brings that up. At like, oh, Luke Skywalker was this. I'm like, that is the exact thing. that like I cannot think of a more kick ass over like perfect moment of showing Luke Skywalker's power than that sequence of him and Kylo Ren at the, end of the movie. And if everybody remembers correctly, during the uh, the, the lead up to the Force Awakens, back during the summer of 2015, there was this rumor that Kylo Ren and Obi, oh, Kylo Ren and Luke Skywalker were going to have a duel. And that didn't happen. And people were like, not mad. People were, like right before, like right between, like the uh, the premiere and when the film came out. People were, like, oh, there's no way that's true. There has to be a confrontation between the two. And Ryan Johnson gives you the confrontation that everybody wanted, leading up to the Force Awakens. And yet the fans still crap on it. And everyone says, oh, well, it's excited. it's
2: the fact that it's the fact that no lightsabers clash. And on the, it, what it really comes down to. And I completely understand someone doesn't like the moment or doesn't think it's well-executed. But the people that hate that moment is because the film did not indulge their needs. And that's, again, it's like an addict. It, they're going through withdrawal. It's exactly what it is.
0: Jonathan, you're uh, speaking my language, son. You you are you are speaking my language. You <laughs> and I are on the same wavelength. <laughs> um, like I said, folks, you need to watch his video. I'll post a link to it in the show notes. Please watch his uh, video on discourse discussing films online you, it's it's essential um but no like i said I, I i don't want this to be a last jedi thing um zinger doesn't like it when i constantly bring that film up um, i remember after that movie came out zinger says how, how long can we talk about this and it's like i can keep talking about this movie forever because of how dense it is there are so many layers to it from well, both
1: the actual film to the the, the the response to it well here's the other thing all right luke okay I know that we're turning this into a last Jedi thing, which
2: I I, I both love and correct. hate. Huh? We should course correct the solo. We, but,
1: we should, but I, I just want to get this and I've said it a million times, even though I keep kind of slowly molding it as I'm going to better adapt to whatever discussion I'm having about it. Luke basic I i know everyone's like, Oh, well, that's not how Luke would have done. It's like, no, I can see one hundred percent. I mean, what I have imagined would I have had a different storyline in mind? Yeah, I would have. But mine would have all been Luke basically going out there and saving the day. And it's like, that doesn't do anything for the new characters. What you're basically doing is robbing all their new characters of any development they had. Him not showing up. Him using the Force-like projection of himself to just anger Kylo Ren. That he didn't even give him the, the decency of showing up is just a perfect way... To show how Ky- how far Kylo Ren has fallen and how controlled by his hate and anger he is. Is that, yeah, there was a fight, but he obviously showed that he outclassed him by not even showing up to fight him. Not even giving him the satisfaction of being able to fight him. That was the ultimate loop going, I got you. Yes. Now what?
2: And it's and that's, exa- and that's what I loved about it. It's exactly like, it's. it's imagine if people were upset back in 1983 that Luke never got to unleash on the Emperor and kill that, you know, kill that mofo, uh, yeah. because that's not what serves the story. And, <laughs> no, and it, doesn't it doesn't matter how much he gets to unleash, and we, we think of the Force's power levels when not. They're vessels to tell stories. The characters only as powerful as the story dictates, as what the story needs. But uh, the, if, and, he, if he did get to unleash on the Emperor, what would that have proven of him as a Jedi?
1: Just would've, He would have been continuing the cycle of hate. Mm-hmm,
2: exactly, exactly, and it's been. I really feel that like people go, "Well, we didn't see Luke Skywalker destroy all the adapts and deflect the laser bolts." It's like you don't understand the character, Play, you know, point blank. He did stuff. exactly
1: what he said he was going to do. He yeah. said, "What do you want me to do? Go out there with my laser sword and take on the entire First Order." He died. A he died being that legend everyone remembered him as, instead of the broken person he had become.
2: And, and like that, the-
1: to me, is the bigger story there, is he technically went out as a freaking hero of the Republic instead of this broken, angry
2: man that that everyone, that um, Ray got to meet. Again, it all comes back to that indulgence angle. It's the, I feel like the people who hate Last Jedi, and you know, they didn't give them the Luke moment, are, are the same people that say Man of Steel is the best Superman movie because we got to see Superman punch Zod real good. <laughs> and that's how I feel about it.
0: All right, back to Solo. We're getting this p- Solo. course
2: correcting, much like Lucasfilm.
0: We have to course correct. Yes, Jonathan, you had some points you wanted to bring up about Solo. We, we kind of uh, slightly flirted uh, with the yeah. box office. Anything else you'd like to? Anything you'd like to bring up?
2: Really, it's a weird movie that. Um, I think Star Wars is weird and unique in that it really gives a lot of talking points, and, and Solo doesn't really give those. It is a, it, to, the movie that it reminded me the most of was uh, the most recent Jumanji movie, which coincidentally is also written or directed by a Kazdin. Um, so you know you got the Kazdins involved and whatnot. And really, it is pure in its function. It is just set piece to set piece and a fun character moment. The, the another movie it reminded me of was Temple of Doom. It's it's a roller coaster ride. It's got a couple problematic elements, but when it hits the, you know, the train tracks, uh, it moves. And the set pieces and how they're staged, again, really exciting and engaging. But again, the thing I keep coming back to is that there's not much to sink your teeth into afterwards, which I think that's where Star Wars finds its identity, is where it's this fun adventure movie on the surface, and this movie nails the surface part, but there's not that, uh, you know, themes or... or the force or what Nosophical this all means. Meaning. No, there's none of that. And well, I think uh, that's where Star Wars finds its mojo.
0: Well, that's, that's a good point you bring up because think about it. This is supposed to be a solo discussion and we automatically went into a detour of last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And but you look at this though, and again, not to keep comparing this to Marvel though, but look at the Marvel films. You can't really outside of maybe winter soldier in civil war. You can't do that with that many of the Marvel films. Like, I, I imagine
2: disagree, how- and I okay. I'd actually, I fundamentally disagree on that because I think that's the one thing they've nailed. I think Guardians of the Galaxy Vol. Two is a fun little space adventure, but it's really about uh, parental abuse and it's about you know dysfunctional uh, surrogate families. I think that Thor: Ragnarok is this fun, quippy adventure, but it's actually a giant critique on colloquialism and of monarchies. Uh, and then Black Panther is like, holy crap, that has so much social social justice sort of. Uh, you know, it's, to, it's
1: It, it also kind of set you up for, hey, maybe the bad guy might have a point. Yes.
2: Because, and, and I, really, I mean,
1: he the villain changed the hero in the end. The hero yeah. became a better person because of what the villain basically confronted him with.
2: Yeah. And, and Black Panther is a movie that starts as a, it starts as a, like, again, like a Star wars uh you know, fun adventure film, turns into a James Bond movie, and then ends as a shakespearean drama like yeah. that's where it goes you know that's where the discussions come from is that shakespearean drama that you can draw you know you can take away and this doesn't that this is the surface this is the texture it's it's the you know there's a bit of rebel without a cause and non-solo there's a bit of you know good the bad the ugly and some of the showdowns but besides that there's not much of a talking point and that's it's a funny thing. Again, last Jedi was talking point. The movie every five minutes there was something to discuss. Where this movie it's like, that's yeah, cool. It's
0: fun. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, just, just to put <laughs> a little bit of pushback on that is that yes, Marvel has its mo. I guess I, I guess that's not fair to uh, do a blanket to all Marvel films. Um, like obviously Black Panther, and they are getting better. A lot of these films do now have um, undertones to them that you can you can delve into, but. Star Wars as a whole, we can sit there, go back through. I th- again, you can go back through the original trilogy, the prequels, Force Awakens, Rogue One, maybe, maybe um, the pencil toy, The Wind Blows, Last Jedi. But with I, you said, Solo is probably the, the one of the examples where you can't do that. But going back to Marvel, I don't think. Yes, you can have a discussion about Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, when I saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. I said this is going to do a better job of being The Empire Strikes Back than Last Jedi is going to be, and I was laughed at for saying that. And, you fool! Yes, <laughs> and I. But going back to Marvel though, is that like I can't imagine Ant Man the Wasp is going to be a movie that we're going to be oh, debating. No. <laughs> no. Or, or even going back to like like maybe I, well, I'm discuss- I'm thinking more of phase one and phase two of of Marvel I know phase three definitely got a lot more heady um like it's like, like, like imagine discussing Iron Man 2 in any sort of terms like we discussed Star Wars and yeah Star Wars has been around for years there's there's a huge mythology there to draw from. But getting to my main point of this though is that does every Star Wars movie need to be that deep? Or if if it is necessary, is it sustainable? Being every film being super heady? Can we have a Star Wars film that is Ant Man where it's solely the cinematic equivalent of cotton candy? You eat it, <laughs> it gives you a quick sugar high, then you move on to the next thing. I liked Ant Man.
1: It was fun. It was it was a nice it is, little, but, but nobody cares about that
0: movie at the end of the day.
1: It's I. Th- it's if you're watching all the movies, I feel it's a nice little breakup in the in the grand scheme of all the Marvel movies. Of like, you
0: say, oh, it's it, a cool heist movie, neat. And you can say the exact same thing about Solo in the grand scheme
1: of Star Wars. Oh, it's a neat little heist movie, and Lando's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, there you go.
0: That's my thing. I think I think I, think, uh, I don't think anybody's out. To be fair, of all the Last Jedi haters out there. I don't think they're particularly dogpiling on Solo. Like, it's amazing. Um, there it's, I, I don't it know. Maybe, well, no, I, I don't think, like, okay, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think anybody could outright hate Solo. I, I don't think it's a movie that's going to elicit, it doesn't do anything that's going to upset anybody. It's a very, and I think that's that's to its ultimate detriment. Uh, Judge Zanger, all, all rise.
1: Yes, 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 you may be seated okay thank you
0: um but no i think at the end of the day uh solo's inoffensiveness and i think jonathan already say this i'm maybe just uh repeating what he said but in different words but it's that's its ultimate detriment is its greatest safety net
1: I can kind of uh, all right <laughs> so all right judge Danger. yes i have heard the plaintiff's plea and i will allow it you bring up a good point zach Thank thank you. Hold Your on, Honor. hold on, hold on. Y'all may be seated. <laughs>
0: we're still we're standing the entire time. Yes. <laughs> if you, no if you
1: particularly... were not if, if you if you sat down, yeah, you, you made a mistake. I'm in contempt of court. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> oh dear. But like I guess I I guess like that's the thing about solos. Like you walk into solo, it is like, like Jonathan said, one set piece you go from the the streets of Corelia. To Mimba with the Mud Troopers, to the heist on Vandor, to the first card game, to the the rebellion or the the heist on Kessel, then the Kessel Run, and then the uh, double triple cross on um, whoever the planet is with
2: Emphas Nest and Dryden Voss.
0: The end. And you so have the many last be- so many double crosses.
2: So many. I love crosses. it. I love the double crosses. That's the best part of the movie. Oh,
0: um, Enfys
2: Nest is my favorite character of the this movie. I want an Empress Nest solo movie. That would be fun.
0: That's and that's what, okay, when we were doing our solo review, um my fellow co hosts at the time, Rob and Jim, they're like, "Why is the like when when Empress Nest shows up for I or she takes her helmet off?" And like, "Why is the camera lingering on that so long?" And their complaint was, "Oh, are we supposed to be enamored with the fact that this is supposed to be a woman?" And as I watched it the second time the other day, I'm like, no, it's not the fact that it's a woman. It's the fact that it, she's practically a child. Yeah, it's and, that. and that's the fact that the this is the earliest we've ever seen the Empire in Star Wars films. Like, yes, we have, obviously, Revenge of the Sith, where it's really just uh, being birthed. But this is when we really see the fact that people are saying, no, enough is enough. And I wouldn't be surprised if we go back to Rogue One. I know there's the character of Two-Tubes in um forrest whitaker saw guerrera's gang of partisans but i mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised if we do get some sort of story like you were saying where we get a i think what they're going to do with this movie i think it is going to be a trilogy of sorts you're going to have a han solo movie um that revolves around the criminal underbelly of star wars that's what the boba fett movie is also going to be a part of and that's also an obi-wan movie is going to close that out because i if you read there was i don't know who it was it wasn't um it was some Star Wars fan site that claimed to have like a summary where Obi Wan has to sit there protect like a village from like Tusken Raiders or maybe something like that I don't know, like, or like a crime thing. I think that's what they're doing. They're trying to have a a Western crime trilogy of films where you have all these different things kind of like intersecting. And I think maybe Darth Maul is going to be the villain of this trilogy because that is okay. one thing that going going back to what you're saying. And this is going to be our new analogy now: is that Star Wars nostalgia is the drug. And Lucasfilm now has to learn how to regulate that. Like they have to give that to the audience in small little drips.
2: It's kind of like an, an IV of nostalgia. Oh, geez. I, I, I want to cry after that. It's like, oh my, it's like looking down into like, you know, you, you see Cthulhu and it's like your eyes are burning. It's like. Once you see what this all looks like. It, 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 it
0: is. It's like, uh, Jonathan, are you a Rick and Morty fan by any chance?
2: <laughs> I, I binge watched the entire show in like a weekend, and I really, I like it. I love watching it, but I haven't really thought of it. I, lo- I have like favorite episodes, but I don't love the show overall, but I really do like it.
0: All right. I'm going to make a reference. I think Zanger will get it. There's an episode oh, where um, it, it's with the Citadel with all the different Ricks. It was in season three. Yes. And minute, and there's the Rick that go at works like in the, the the cookie factory the uh, yeah the waffle thing simple Ricks the, yeah simple <laughs> Ricks and they yeah, have like yeah. the little like they have the helmet that gives him like the nostalgia and it just feeds him all these like like things of, like like rebellion and this that's what Star Wars fans want um the the last Jedi haters and again I think Jonathan hit the nail on the head much like I think he does in everything all his videos he did it here again is that the nostalgia is a drug. And the audience is a junkie that can't get enough of it. And when Ryan Johnson says, let me give you something different that you might enjoy more, but you're going to have to work for it. And when you figure it out, it's going to give you dividends that are a hundredfold over what the nostalgia is. The audience doesn't know how to react. And I think that's what – and concerning the fact that Darth Maul is one of those elements from the prequels. Everybody forgets the fact – again, I love this this rhetoric that – not to bring this back to The Last Jedi. I swear I'll bring it back to Solo. (laughs) Um, But it's like the rhetoric that surrounded the prequels. Like, again, there has not been a Star Wars movie that has been universally loved since Return of the Jedi. And even now, like, Zegar and I laugh about this, but between uh, Revenge of the Sith and The Force Awakens... I guess Return of the Jedi isn't a good movie anymore because I've seen people now, you look at people's rankings and people now have like Return of the Jedi toward the bottom of it and I
1: can't figure it out. It dropped all my ratings and I can't really explain it aside from like, it's it's just kind of there. It has its good moments but it's just a lot of
2: just point A to point B in in some scenarios. It has the best scene in the whole saga but I feel like everything else about the movie that I like I prefer a lot more Empire, so if I want to watch Star Wars, I watch Empire, and that's I just haven't rewatched it that much. What's the best scene? The throne room. That's the best scene in all Star Wars. True. Well, that is Star Wars to me. Uh, That's the themes of the saga writ large. That is that is Star Wars. Uh, That is the father son growing up analogy turned into a conflict. Besides that, like again, like it, the whole middle act of that movie is a like you talk about Canto Bite being like a like a boring plotline. I think the whole like the middle hour of Return of the Jedi. Is I think tag. that's
1: what gets it for me is that there's this drag point in the middle that where it's just stuff's happening, but it's like I could care less during it because I've yeah. seen the movie so many times now that it's like every time I watch, it, I feel like that scene drags on for longer and longer somehow. I love I love me some uh, Ewok, so I can't
0: complain. Well, they're cute. Yes, but I think that's going back to back though is that again Star Wars fan base has always been plagued with the every Star Wars film is the most controversial. So like when when the Last Jedi people sit there complain and it's like I can't take anything you say seriously because it's the same group of fans that hated the prequels that just, I disagree. They just
2: hate- it, it, It's... It's a different group of fans who have become the prequel haters. It's it's a cycle, but it's different people. I oh, think really? It's far- so, you, so you think there are two different subsets of the prequel haters
0: there, and there are the Last Jedi haters?
2: There are there are. It's like a circle diagram. There are certainly people that exist in both, but I th- or and I think there are certainly bandwagon fans who are like, oh, I hate the prequels. Oh, I hate Force Awakens. Oh, I hate Last Jedi. Oh, I hate we Like there are fans that are like that. But I do think there are there. There's a but the reason why the Last Jedi is so divisive, I think, is because a lot of people who were young in the prequels who couldn't really hate those movies. This is the first heartbreaking Star Wars movie to them. I think. That's Did amazing. they watch um, Attack of the Clones over again? They were five when they saw Attack of the Clones. That I'm just saying, key. watch it again. Oh, just yeah, just watch it. But it, it gives them nostalgia. It gives them. It reminds them of being a kid, and that's why you you cannot like again. That, that's me. Um, I not hate Attack of the Clones. I. I- Easily it's a can terrible, hate it. terrible movie, but it still kind of brings warm feelings to my heart. To <laughs> <you>.
0: <laughs> oh, nice. But I, I don't know though, because like I have not encountered anybody. Un- again, and this is not scientific yeah. in any way, but everybody who I've encountered that hates the Last Jedi is over the age of thirty-five. I have yet to meet a Star Wars. Uh, my fan younger, younger
1: brother said that he doesn't think anything could be worse than Last Jedi. And how old is he? Younger than me. So. Definitely, I'm. I'm not 35, so he's younger okay. than me. Okay, Whereas my older brother said that he gets what the what it was about, but he just didn't like it as much. He's just like he's like he gets it, but he's just like I just didn't like it. He said it's not terrible. It's just kind of there for me. It inspire uh, him or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. All right,
0: getting back to Solo. Um, what I meant by that though is the prequel haters. So but he, the
1: one, but my brother did like Solo a lot, so I don't know how that figures into your little mathematician right, scheme. Thing. The line, the really, line graph
2: now's all over the, the place. The truth is, is that we want to marginalize and say there's a bunch of people that like love this and hate this, and really, it's a bunch of messy opinions of like thousands and thousands. Like everyone has a different ranking. Everyone has different problems, and that's kind of. And I wish we could all just get along and and. You and agree not.
1: that Attack of the Clones is the worst movie ever. We can't agree on no. that. No, no,
2: absolutely not. <laughs> not the worst movie ever, but certainly the worst movie. Okay, Star Wars
1: Yeah, no. Which which one's the okay? Which one's the worst, uh, Zach?
2: None of them. Oh, Okay,
0: <laughs> except for
1: maybe The Force Awakens. Maybe. Boo, boo. Force Awakens.
0: <laughs> uh, I guess The Force Awakens. If you want, if you all blame anybody for the Last Jedi, blame uh, Jar Jar Abrams. He is to blame because he he set up your mopey Luke. He gave you Mopey Luke, everybody. You might I not like it,
2: think, but... I don't even think that, like, I think that Force Awakens... It has, again, I have frustrations with Force Awakens, but I love the characters in that movie, and that, like, that takes it over to me, like, that makes it, turns it into a good, or, or borderline great movie. It's just, I lo- I fell in love with Ray and Poe and Finn and, and Ben Solo in that film, and, like, I cannot call that a bad movie if it does that, so... And it's weird. My my review. If I were to do a review of Force Awakens, I would say it has probably the best first act in all of Star Wars, and then it falls apart somewhere like at the hour mark, and then kind of regroups a little bit towards the end. But it kind of is a it it runs out of energy fast. But that first sprint of energy is so electric, and that's kind of how I feel about Force Awakens. I can't remember what my opinion
1: is from my video on it now. I mean, my. episode right. on it now
2: all right well you think about that
0: while i bring this bring this home um but no but the prequel haters the one thing that they absolutely loved from the original or from phantom menace was darth maul and i don't know how old john casden is i would imagine he's in that same group of like generation i don't know i guess it's. i guess everybody that's been alive during the 2000s is considered a millennial um from a newborn to grandpa everybody's a millennial now um, but I would imagine that they're probably ones that figured that was one thing from the prequel era that people that was almost universally loved. Um, I don't think Count Dooku is universally loved or General Grievous or anything like that. So let's bring in the one element that everybody loves from that era, so you pacify everybody, and that's why I get the vibe that maybe Maul will be the villain behind because we because by the time of Rebels, Maul has lost obviously Crimson Dawn. He has lost this crime syndicate like he lost his earlier one. And I wouldn't be surprised if this film is kind of the. Oh God, I don't want to. It's so cliche to say this, but like maybe this this trilogy this that I'm making up is the he's the Thanos or he's going to be the big bad of this trilogy. Like they're building him up as this. And again, because Obi Wan and Maul people used not,
2: to say Darth Vader, but
0: anyway. Like that's <laughs> um, issue
1: September 30th, 1979. Okay, that's when he was born.
2: That's when he was born. So he would have been 20 when *Phantom Menace* came out.
0: All right, so he falls into that era of growing up with the uh, with the uh, originals, and then probably
1: hating the prequels. i uh, right oh, so here. Not he's po- never seen too, a Star Wars movie. John Casson? No, he says he's <laughs> never seen one. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I
0: don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I wouldn't be surprised at this point that somebody they, they hired someone didn't like Star Wars. Um well, Tony Gilroy says he doesn't like. When he got high, like all his stuff came out about Rogue One. He's like, I don't like Star Wars. That's why they hired me. Is the fact I have, I I have say no so, love for any of this crap.
2: I think the fact that Tony Gilroy had had no care for Star Wars is the exact reason why Rogue One was such a success. And my that third act was so good. And I think yeah. it's because again he had nothing was sacred to him, and he could just tell a good story. And I think it's that. Um, Star Wars is too in love with itself to tell good to make good movies in some way, or make pure movies. And and I agree with you with that though. But look at it this way: how many people in the entertainment industry can say that?
0: Like maybe one dozen.
2: Half of the people filmmakers working today are filmmakers because they were inspired by Star Wars. Like exactly. So
0: find find somebody who a works in the industry. That has, that has no affinity for Star Wars. Never mind is talented and has no affinity for Star Wars.
2: People want to insult these movies and call them fan films. They're exactly fan films. They're made by fans who grew up with Star Wars. I think that's a compliment to some degree.
1: No, I, I've straight up said that, that Rogue One at the very end is basically me dumping my toys out as a kid and just playing with them. That is essentially what that how how that movie ends in my opinion is just somebody basically dumped out a ton of Star Wars toys and then sat down in front of a group of people and said, Here's what we're gonna do, guys.
0: Well, I even did I remember when I came home from Rogue One, I was describing to people what happened at the end. I got my uh, my my model of the Tanta V4 and I'm like, wait, wait, and this is what happens. And the ship goes right into this notch and then crashes into the Star Destroyer. And this, 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 this not Tanta V4, the um Star Destroyer. And I'm like it crashes into this point though, and then it shears off the top of the other one, and that and that's what it is. And I think that is the that's um oh god, uh, if if you're addicted to a drug, that's like giving you like ten times the amount of it and just injecting it into you because that's what it is. It's what Yo, every Star Wars fan wants. <laughs> and, and that's what it is, though. And it's worth noting that you go from Rogue One, which is nostalgia overdrive, into Last Jedi that says
2: no, no, it's rehab. No. It, it's, it, it's rehab. <laughs> I,
0: I, I don't even think it's rehab, it's, it's like taking all your drugs and flushing them down the toilet, and it's yeah. like, What? and there's no warning to it. And I think, yeah. I guess, I don't think all, I think most of the Last Jedi hatred is misguided, but I can't blame people. But I, th- I would hope rational human beings, like the people who are making these comments, are not six years old, they are adults. And as an adult, I would imagine there's a certain level of you know what this. I am not the filmmaker. I, Kathleen Kennedy did not hire me to make this movie, so I I don't have to like this. But to tell the director that I'm going to murder you and your family over it, <laughs> I it, I think that's a uh, step too far. But like I, said, I, I I my philosophy on the Last Jedi is this: like I, I like to imagine, and we're back like, here st- again. <laughs> no, no, we're not. We're not. we're not going go back there. We're not going to go back here. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm not going back there. Solo. All right. Anything else, Dave?
1: Want <laughs> to talk about solo? I'm sure I'll have more
2: opportunities, so I will sit back. <laughs> no, it. I, I really liked Woody Harrelson in the role. Uh, as uh, what was his name? Uh, we start with the bias Beckett. The bias Beckett. Um, <laughs> and, bias. Yeah. Oh right. of uh, um, Development. Yeah, and, new season out. Watch it. Yeah, it's pretty I, good. Okay, I haven't, I haven't finished, watched the fourth season, so I don't know whether I should watch the fifth. Uh,
1: oh, yeah, you
2: need to watch the fourth. But they recut yeah. it, so. And there's okay. also,
1: not to spoil it, there's a Star Wars joke in the new season that Ron Howard makes at his own
2: expense, so. That's good. Um, but also, uh, again, I think the star of the show, uh, the one thing that surprised me the most is how great Alden Ehrenreich is in the role. The fact that his performance is not controversial in the slightest is a miracle unto itself. Like, I just felt he was kind of there, though, for me. I, I thought he was doing so many things, so many interesting performance things. And uh, like not a second went by that I was not engaged with his performance. And that was the incredible thing to me, that I, I just bought it from, from frame one, to be honest. I just well, I, was, I, I just got lost in the fact
1: that once Donald Glover showed up, I'm like, I'm sold on just everything he's doing.
2: His, his was weird because it was such a good impression yeah, but it was like it was an impression through and through. I felt like there were well, there was a moment when when L three was shot where it was like it, it was almost like Troy came out in him when he's like, uh, "Pop, what? What is he trying to say?" And that. Like, oh that, yeah, I can see that. And, and to me, it, it was such you a fun performance. Darn it! But it was. A impersonation performance. There's no doubt about that. Whereas Alden Ehrenreich was doing a character and not a imitation, and that was the fun part of it. That was I got to see his side of Solo, and he got like I know he got that Harrison Ford thing. That like he knows how to get beat up, and he knows how to like the way he moves, the the energy he brings to a scene, the the confidence, the cockiness. All of that was there, and I just I bought it. I completely bought it, and that was a sort of mini miracle in the movie.
0: We talked about kind of like how certain elements that we go into these films expecting fans to hate, whether it be like the Porgs or Olden Ehrenreich. and that gets how they, they get no, no
1: one can hate the Porgs.
0: No, Zenger, no one can hate the Porgs. Yes, well, the, the Porgs are sacred. Uh, yeah, it's like I said, that it's funny how there's certain elements. Like I guess I don't think Solo is a film anybody could hate. It's it's such a insulated film. It's kind of like oh god. It's like imagine painting or like creating a vase, the most beautiful vase you've ever seen, and you wrap it in like 85 layers of bubble wrap. It's like it might be a gorgeous vase in, in its core, but it's so insulated from damage that you, you don't know. It's like, OK, is it really at the end of the day? It's almost like, again, it's not, is it a Star Wars movie? Because it doesn't like you already mentioned, it doesn't have those heady, lofty
1: themes. It and doesn't have can, the it doesn't have C3 PR R2D2. <laughs> no, that's that's shocking. That was one of my predictions I made wrong. I I made the same one and I was wrong.
2: I knew they wouldn't be in it, but hey, that was my prediction, I guess.
1: Oh, okay. So you said,
2: okay. So you're you're uh, you beat us. Yes. Okay. But I thought. I think, uh, okay. What what was my predictions? I, I think uh, the, the only other one was. Um, oh, I, I thought I thought Java would for sure be in it, but I got that
0: wrong. It's worth noting that in the poster. Which um, I think is another reason why. Not to say anybody looks at posters anymore and judges uh, whether they're <laughs> seeing a the movie off a poster, but the main theatrical poster for this was like kind of awful. It was like red and beige, like 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 uh, the oh, color palette.
1: I'm looking and at if, it right now.
0: If you look at that poster in the background, wait, it's, it's got two suns. It has two suns, and I, I I I don't remember a single. I could be wrong, but I don't remember a single planet in the movie that has two suns.
1: It, oh my, okay, in the back, and it almost looks like there's like. Like, um, Jabba's Palace looking stuff in the uh-huh. background, it looks too. Like it,
0: looks, it looks like Tatooine terrain.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, and that's,
1: like,
0: a- but we also don't know, like, it's kind of like we keep Wait talking about. Wait a
1: second. There's also a, um, blockade runner up there. Who knows? <laughs> um, but, like. like I know, I'm talk- staring at it. There's no who knows. I'm looking at it. All right.
0: <laughs> you keep looking at it. You keep staring into the sun. There's uh, two like, of them. Uh, Everybody keeps talking about like release the Snyder cut. Like, think about, like, looking at this kind of like in a, a lost media lens. Like, think about there is a Gareth Edwards version of Rogue One. Like, it
2: might be just the like, everyone. Everyone seen it. So like, the, the if you watch, uh, read at the Tony Gilroy no, it's a podcast. If you listen to the Tony Gilroy podcast, he said it was a disaster. He said there was no way he could mess it up any further. There was, he could only improve it. And the fact that it came out as coherent as it was is. Nothing shy of a miracle.
0: Oh, I'm not talking about it. I feel like it, that's
2: if... all Star Wars movies are turning into now in DC. The best movies. ones were t- disasters of a production.
1: I'm not, Maybe dude, that's I'm what not... Lord Miller were trying to do. Maybe they were purposely trying to just tank this thing to make it the greatest movie we've ever seen. But and I, they were stopped beforehand. Oh God!
0: Oh God! Uh But no, I, I don't mean like the Gareth Edwards version or Lord Miller version. Like like the, the the weirdos that want them release the Snyder cut. I don't mean it like that. I mean it like in an academic way. Like it'd be fun to look at these films like in their original.
2: I don't want to call it like in their initial or first. What's that? Assembly cut. That's basically when you get all the footage yeah. that you shot. And you put it in like a timeline. So, it looks like shit and you're like. Nothing works and you hate yourself, that's when an assembly cut is. So
1: basically what what you want to do is see the evolution of how we got from, let's say, the first put-together cut to what we got now and what methods they went through to get there.
0: Well, yeah. Oh, definitely. Not even how we got there.
1: That, I I agree with you. That would be interesting to see. I would – I'd love to see that as well because I would think that would be very interesting considering, you know – all the changes and stuff that this movie could have gone through and like everything evolved around it is just that, that would be interesting.
0: 40 years from now,
1: there's going to be so many great books written on this time of uh,
0: filmmaking from, from the star Wars ones to the, the DCEU, a oh, guy, there's gonna be so many books. And like, like what was oh, it? Yeah. John, John Schnepp who made what happened
2: to a uh, Superman,
0: uh, the death of <laughs> Superman. What's
2: it called? Yeah. That's the yeah. Death of Superman lives. What happened? There's like five of those movies a year now of like these troubled productions. There's exactly. Been like, there's been three in the last six months. It's ridiculous.
0: Oh yeah, like like my favorites are I love a uh, Lost Soul, the Doom Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Doctor Moreau, um, Doomed, the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie. Uh, yeah, I and that's what's gonna be. There's gonna be so many fun things. And I, I the only problem though is that like. Disney, like, forever has always been tight-lipped about things that don't work. Like, The Black Cauldron was another film that had, like, so many uh, problems with it.
2: And if I can, uh, s- if I can comment, I think I, in retrospect, you know, the whole thing with, when you're, when you're doing this, like, you know, backseat quarter, you know, quarterbacking, um, it's it's very easy to be, you know, Captain Hindsight. You know, you're sure up about the fire, escape here! But until the fire happens, you don't really know. Um, but with Solo, the weird thing is that if you know Lord Miller's, like, Films. They've done two animated films and two Jump Street movies. And the thing that those Jump Street movies not only are they comedies, but they are like you know they're shot in schools, which are really easy sets where you get a bunch of extras and they do long you know long hours and you go through scenes and scenes and scenes where they're allowed to experiment and do these things. Where you're doing a Star Wars movie, not only do you have an insane visual effects budget, but you have these again, they're like construction sites and they're doing like these what like you know sets that are longer than a football field uh, and so much effort to just, you know, with a Star Wars movie, you have to do so much work to just frame the shot. And that uh, filmmakers like Lord Miller were not pro- were probably not the best, you know, because every project they've ever made, they've made through experimentation, through multiple takes. When they have the actors in to do the, the Lego movie or the Crowdy with Chance of Meatballs, they do line after line after line of different take, different idea. You know, that's how they make their movies. And that you can't do that with a solo because... You're, you're literally spending an hour just to get the shot right. And this movie looks gorgeous, and there's a reason for that. Because that's, that's where the money went, and that's where the, most of the, you know, the bulk of the effort went to. But Lord they're Miller, their make, how they make their movies is through experimentation. And I feel like Star Wars is in a spot of no experimentation. You have to know exactly what you're making before you make it. Because it costs too much.
0: Yeah, I, I can definitely get on board with that not for the sake of like expecting a better quality movie but i do is like for academic purposes i would love to see because i I'd even heard stories about the force awakens had problems like there's a reason why we what never a really yeah it, it <laughs> they were
2: happen. they were scrambling for a script like right before they got started like that movie was uh, like they, they pushed it back six months i believe like it was well
0: jj go... <laughs> wanted pushed back until may of 2016 and, and bob Iger told him no yeah and that's, like I guess, it's worth noting too. Is like they were gonna do the um, the making of book on that, and that got canceled. I think, I think three months before release, like <laughs> they, they took pre-orders for, it, and it just got canceled. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we were gonna, at one point uh, when this podcast was originally the Star Wars Junk Podcast. We were gonna talk to uh, J. W. Renzler, the guy who did all those like giant like coffee table books on the original trilogy, and um, like two days, pri- he agreed to come on. And like two days prior to that, um, he 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 canceled abruptly. Like what happened? He's like, I'm sorry, I I can't say anything more. And like, like the day after he canceled with us, his like blog where he was like documenting like um, stuff that went on during the prequels, he had to delete all that. And the reason why was that um, Lucasfilm didn't want uh, want him talking to us. they were afraid he was going to disclose something uh, about the production of uh, the prequels or the Force Awakens or even. I don't think he was involved. I don't think he was that uh, far into Rogue One. But um, yeah. So like, they are. That's the problem with Disney though. Disney's always extremely tight-lipped. Yep. Um, where I could believe, like, fifth, like it's kind of like um Alien Three, like fifteen years from now, I could see Warner Brothers releasing some, like, some really like rough form of Zack Snyder thing, like, with, like animatics placed in as a way of just like, I don't know, like trying to get more money at that. Do film. people
2: honestly think it would have been this coherent masterpiece? I, I really have to ask that. Like well, those movies when Spider- I mean not Spider Man, uh, 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 Justice League, yeah, like. Batman v Superman and Man of Steel were not applauded for their cohesion. You know? Uh... <laughs> well,
1: and even those had multiple cuts to them. Zack yeah. Snyder cannot make a movie without having multiple cuts.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, that's
1: true. Inside baseball, real quick, we're doing a certain movie, and there is no joke three different versions of it we can pick from to do. There's Watchmen. the theatrical cut, there's the director's cut, and then there's the ultimate cut of it. Watchmen. Yeah. I'm not I'm not confirming what it is, but <laughs> we're working on a project on Zingness involving maybe a movie you guys said. But yes.
0: Zanger, does th- it involve
1: watching men? <laughs> no. It's,
0: it's, it's exactly <laughs> Every Zack like Snyder
1: movie involves watching men in slow motion. There yes. you go. <laughs> but no, 300 apparently has a different cut to it, too. It's not drastically different. I think they just add the deleted scenes in and call it a day. Yeah. That's the thing. I just don't think, as much as I... Enjoy stuff Zack Snyder does, I
2: don't think he can make a movie where he just makes one version of it. The fact that he has so many different cuts of his movie confirms to me that he doesn't really care how his movies are assembled. And the way a movie is assembled is like the most important part. Going back to A New Hope, that's the reason why A New Hope is as transcendent as it was. There was a cut of A New Hope that's dreadful. And the assembling of the pieces is where you form a film's identity. And again, going back to Batman v Superman, the fact that it has that sequel-bait Wonder Woman email chain right before the titular fight confirms to me on every principle level level, that Zack Snyder doesn't care about how his movies are assembled.
1: Okay, so on that note, I can finally get to my Rogue One thing. So, all right. So Rogue One ranks up there as one of my favorite Star Wars movies because as a fan, I feel it is a fan service film. But the biggest complaint I hear from people is there's no character development. There's no nothing. And I'm like, and the more I think about it, the more I'm like, it's a war movie. It's kind of telling more of a true story of what happens in war. In in a war, you're not going to have an entire character arc with somebody. Like, it just... That's how war is. And this is showing the gritty, you know, people who had to get the job done versions. They're the cleaned up people who are like, we're saving the princess. We're off doing it. It was a more gritty version. And and I I just, like I said, watching your thing kind of helped me realize that I'm like, that's maybe why I like it so much. Is It's not a complete story technically too. Like you don't get character arcs. You don't get all this stuff
2: because they aren't given a chance to because they're snuffed out. I guess my my one complaint of Rogue One is not that they don't have. For instance, you look at like a movie like A New Hope, where every character arc is so tight, so clean, yeah, and so Hollywood, right? And my problem is not that every character gets a complete arc; it's that the characterization and how their personality is dramatized was not satisfying to me on a basic narrative level.
1: Well, the thing the thing I, I like that you pointed out was doing was comparing Booty and um yeah yeah and finn i really like that because they you were right they are quintessentially the same character mm-hmm. if you boil down their're their, you know beats and everything right. but yeah, yeah but one gets a full full arc of you know him becoming something and another one he gets a job done and gets off immediately <laughs>
2: yeah
1: so i think like i said I, I really enjoyed watching that video because it made me it kind of just helped me dawn on my you know conclusion of I think I like rogue one because of xy and z with it as i just
2: pointed out with with what i explained so yeah exactly so, yeah. and that that's all that matters is that you further your understanding and go you know we can have different interpretations but as long as we understand the core facts and what those individual points what they lead to then we could that's where opinions come in that's where you know the interesting discussions come from and now i got an interesting discussion point if i'm sitting there talking to somebody and i'm like oh
1: you know i I like Rogue One a lot, and they're like, oh, I didn't like it. And I, if I'm like, well, what reason other than they didn't have character development, I'm going to be like, well, <laughs> here's a point now in you know to to discuss with that. So yes, I, I really enjoyed that video. Like I said, I got a bone to pick with you. It wasn't a negative thing. It was just kind of made me, I was kind of sitting there nodding, going I, I, I think I'm getting something out of this. I don't know if it's what it's intending, but it's what I'm getting away from this is my own understanding of how I feel about this movie. Yep. So. But right. Yes, I, I did very much like the comparisons between characters that were that had a full arc and these ones that didn't, and it kind of was like, oh, hey, that's a good point.
0: All right, there, uh, there, I, there's
1: your free plug. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so, my question for Jonathan is: obviously, he is um, he understands the culture and language of movies. And I have to ask, what do you think, Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy's? Because again, I, th- I think they're still writing the script, Episode Nine, or they're at least still in pre-production.
2: They Where shoot th- in 50 days. I saw okay, that. So
0: they, they still got time to, uh, to to toy around with that film if they want. So, what do you think the course correction is going to be from Solo?
2: Well, one, make Episode Nine, and and you know, make a good movie. That's that's the first step. Of course, uh, and and looking at Episode Nine, I think like both all three of Finn, Poe, Ray, and Ben, they all have clear trajectories going forward and so i think just follow those through and commit to those storylines do not backpedal make poe the leader of the resistance or the rebellion or whatever the hell they're called now uh give uh finn a heroic arc where he has to confront the first order and you know give ray the challenges and the weight and the pressure and the failure of being a jedi if they nail those three and and ben solo given i don't even that character is basically developed as far as i can imagine to give them something to do. As long as they nailed those four things, I think episode nine is going to be good and just get filmmakers that want to tell stories that have something to say. That's what worked for Taika Waititi and uh, Thor Ragnarok. That's what worked for Ryan Coogler and Black Panther. That's what worked for um, uh, Wonder Woman, what was the director? Patty Jenkins. That's what worked for that film. You need to find these directors that have things to say. Don't make a movie because the fans want it. Make the movie because you have a filmmaker that has a vision, that has a story, that has a trilogy. That's the course forward. It is confidence. It's leadership. It is, you know, it, it, you know it's, it's not this juggling act.
0: All right. I, I, I think that's uh, logical, probably too logical for most people. Um, <laughs> but I have one, one question to add to that. Do okay. they after the outrage over Luke Skywalker, do they bring him back in the flesh, not force ghost, but in the flesh to uh, pacify
2: the the crybabies? To me, it's it's like I, I don't think in those terms. I remember back into the, the original drafts of Return of the Jedi, uh, one of the intentions was, and I think it was like like the second draft of Return of the Jedi, that Ben Kenobi would come back into the throne room and would join the confrontation at the ending of of that film. I'm glad that didn't happen there, but there may be a case where that happens with episode nine, uh, if it does. And I think it's probably a 50 50 chance that that happens, in my opinion. They better nail it. They better, you know, make it dramatic, make it narratively satisfying. Don't do it for the fans, do it for the story. That's the only thing I could ever say. I'll take that. Objection.
1: He's dead. Live with it.
0: <laughs> it's also worth knowing that when they when they decided to kill luke skywalker off carrie fisher was still very much alive yes and so there's always that possibility that they feel they need they need a mainstay from the original trilogy at he least for this force movie. ghost be there I agree with you. I don't think... I, I've never heard a thing about Obi-Wan maybe showing up to Return of the Jedi. Um, I have to uh, do my research. Like that, the the, the whole...
2: Um, like, again, the line from A New Hope is strike me down and I'll become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. That had a different intention when that was written or they they thought oh. of that line and they thought they could have done something with the throne room. Uh, well, wasn't it could,
1: a last-minute thing of killing him in in The New Hope? Yeah, totally. Isn't that yep. like a very last-minute like they decided, oh, why don't we kill him off? Yeah. It was make it a like- thing because originally I thought... Like, quote-unquote, in his original script, he was going to have him be around for a while and be the teacher, and Yoda wasn't a thing.
2: The idea was that he would be on uh, Yavin 4 as they're doing the Death Star run, and they thought, man, this major character has nothing to do. And they said, well, then why don't you kill him? And he can, like, serve a purpose for Luke. And they, thought, yeah, that works. <laughs> that's that's the weird thing. Uh, and I, and sometimes I feel, again, with Episode Nine, it's like, what can they do to, to appease the fans? But I feel for many of these fans, Star Wars is too sacred to do anything. Uh, they would just rather have the original trilogy and be, that's it. And I feel like, you know, Star Wars for them has been put into a box on what it can and can't be. But every great story happens from opening the box, comes from characters being what you don't expect them or, or didn't think they could be and surprising you. And, and you know, that's, that's really it for me is... Just surprise me. Make something that's interesting. Something that we can discuss and have interesting discussions over.
0: Make a film so good that we're not compelled to automatically go back to The Last Jedi to discuss. Yes. That's great. That should be, that should be every Star Wars movie. That should be the tagline for Episode 9. A movie so good you won't want to go back to talking and complaining about <laughs> The Last Jedi.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you hear that, JJ? We know you're in the audience. You can do it. Put it on the poster. So concludes this episode of The Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at KOVpodcast. Check out SkywardFunSupply.com for all your toy needs. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter, at Rogue Knight, K-N-I-T-E, and on the Cinemonities podcast. But we're talking uh, TNT's
1: claws and I want to kill myself. Uh, where can you find you guys? Uh, you can find me every Monday on the Zing This podcast where we discuss nerdy topics every week. And the current fresh rating for Last Jedi is 91% with a fan rating of 46. And you-
2: by, 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 by the way, yeah. that was Rotten Tomatoes, everyone. Not, not got, my ratings. It. 7.3 on IMDb. Woo! <laughs> Uh, And you can find me on uh, Films and Stuff at YouTube. I have a couple of video essays on Star Wars that I think uh, everyone listening to this podcast will enjoy. And uh, I just want to plug that I am finishing up a video on The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies that I am very excited to share. Ooh well i for, i want to say uh thank you so much for coming on jonathan
0: it really does it, i know that's kind of archaic and cliche to say when you have a guest though but it really it doesn't mean a lot because like, i i've loved your videos ever since i set my eyes on the rogue one one and you and i are on the same wavelength i think i've established it at this point though so from the bottom of my heart thank you for coming on
1: yes thank you it was Thanks a pleasure you. pleasure to talk with you it's nice to know yeah, that
0: there well, are people too, out there you can talk to last jedi with that isn't just insane rambling oh
2: of course yeah, the, the two hours flew by. <laughs> oh man, really, I peeked behind the curtain.
0: All righty, everybody. Yeah. Have a good night and bye bye. Boy, yeah.